Welcome back. This is Vegan Carne Alliance, episode number two. Thank you for joining us. Today I am sitting here with Jesse Molinix, chef, rock climbing extraordinaire, food loving, information craving teacher of mine who's teaching me all about food. And uh, later in this episode, we're going to be joined by Alex Irrit. She is the mix master, sticker maker, dachshund lover, and she's going to help Jesse and I talk about a nice little treat that's available in Los Angeles. It is a seafood tower that is all vegan. So uh, stick around later as we come back. We are going to talk about a bunch of beautiful things today. Uh, To start it off, we are going to talk about the five most interesting things happening in the vegan world right now. And then once we are done with all those, Jesse is going to talk about the joy of the pop-up. Oh yeah, popping up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the joy, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, or <laughs> maybe maybe not the joy. See, this well, is why both. we have Jesse yeah, here. You know. Jesse is going to tell us about the, <laughs> the the relative joy and also pain of doing uh, this thing because I want everybody wonderful. to have a good understanding. Yeah, you can. He's smiling. He's he's suffering <laughs> through this. You can feel it. Um, let's see. So to start things off, we're going to talk about the five most interesting things happening in the vegan world right now. Um, the first thing I want to talk about. New York City schools have banned processed meat. The, they called nice. upon the Department of Education to remove processed meat. So this means things like bologna, pepperoni, hot dogs, and these will not be on public school menus citywide. That's 1,700 New York City schools. Um, and they're also, this is sort of moving even further into, they, they've been doing meatless Mondays. Um, this is uh, a pretty interesting development. When I was going to school, I couldn't even imagine this. I went to like a, like a Catholic school and mm-hmm. the closest we got to this was on Lent. And if there was no <laughs> meat, what that meant was they served fish. Oh, yeah. Well, was it good? I also didn't eat that. I like couldn't imagine the food at school is already deemed kind of inedible. Yeah. In my opinion. And we would eat the only thing we would, I would really eat. And I feel like most people who are vocal about eating food at meat. I mean, at school, we just eat the microwave burritos or the taco salad, which is yeah, I know it's stretch calling it a taco salad. Uh-huh. It's more like mystery meat covered in iceberg lettuce. Did you like, was there ever a vegetarian meal where you were going to school that was good? That was, if there was, I was totally unaware of it, uh-huh. but I wouldn't consider any of that vegetarian. You guys got they like did cheese it, pizza though, right? You got things like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cheese pizza. Did like you have a lot of options? Were you at like a, were you it at a public was, school with a lot of things? I didn't really eat the food a lot because it was see, so bad. Either. Yeah. I took, my you mom know? was very kind and made my lunch. Yeah. See, I'd be like, you know, going to Rick's burgers on Fletcher drive, Los Angeles, <laughs> best place in the world and get food there world for breakfast. Famous. Yeah. Get burrito, uh-huh, world famous Rick's and get burritos and take them to school and just eat those all day. Word. Well, this is, yeah, this is sort of a, <laughs> I feel like an interesting development. So this is, great, really. this is not the first place that it's done this. The first place that I sort of found reference to was Santa Barbara had done something similar for their schools. And again, these are the public schools. Mm-hmm. A lot of private schools have gone fully vegan, Yeah, but this is, um, and again, these aren't even going fully vegan. They're just banning processed meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's a little interesting step. Let's see. It's okay. Gr- so it sounds great. Cause the, the, the processed meats in public schools, is probably the worst. Maybe, maybe the only thing worse than that would be prisons. <laughs> it's true. And I think, I think for a lot of people, I mean, for many people, 
their meal that they get at school is the only meal they get. So I think sort of relative health to that, you know, mm-hmm. trying to make sure that they focus on that is sort of weirdly, maybe that's the most important meal in America right now. You know, the meal we serve in schools, because so many people depend on that. That might be, again, the only thing they, they're true, getting. You know? so, and also kids need like good, nutritious food, not right. processed crap. True. So True. good news. <laughs> good news. All right, let's see. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about, the New Yorker just ran a new piece by Tad Friend called Can a Burger Help Save Climate Change? Help Solve Climate Change. And uh, that's it's written and it's mostly focusing on Pat Brown, the head of Impossible Foods. And then it also has parts with Ethan Brown, who's the, the head of Beyond Meat. Um, this thing is I mean, this article is long. It is 6000 words long. Um yeah. Well, you know, with a lot of with enough philosophy and concept, I think anything can change the world. And a burger that is, you know, changing the changing. Oh, well, I mean, help climate change. And the burger that's helped change the world as what we deem like, you know, our day to day food. Like what what's going to become right. America's next uh, highly consumed food product? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Why not? Well, there were some really interesting things in there that I just think it are worth pointing out. And some of them are sort of contentious. You can actually, I talk a little bit about them on the website. There was one article in there that like kind of went a little crazy on Twitter. It said for every four pounds of beef you eat or every four pounds of beef you eat contributes to as much global warming as flying from to, from New York to London. And the average American eats that much each month. Uh, so that that one kind of mm-hmm. goes crazy online. And then there's one other that I thought was really fascinating. Yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the these figures, uh, take those with grains of salt. It, they talk, actually, they end up talking online about how they sort of find these figures. But there were so many things that, um, I, there were interesting parts. So in there, it talks about 60% of America's beef is ground up. Did you know that? Makes sense. It does make sense. Most of the cow, it has to be ground or it's not going to be tasty yeah right yeah what mm. what i found fascinating so they said most 60 percent of america's beef is ground up i i don't know it's sort of like the. i remember a few years ago they talked about like the pink slime sort of thing oh which yeah. is like uh-huh. that's using like that's using every benzoic. part of the that's using every part of the cow i don't know it's a obviously i'm not i'm i don't love that but mm. it's like it's good that they're using every single part of it if you're gonna u- use it oh use yeah it all. they should yeah and the, the bones get used the pelts everything should be getting used mm-hmm. and if it's not then you know, that's stupid. I just, the thing that I found most <laughs> fascinating about the whole thing is actually just that they're even talking about something so close to sort of a vegan conversation uh-huh. in such a large publication. Well, I think it, to me, it's not that uh, far off because, you know, as we've seen, like with just, just everything, like the organic movement, you know, that took off and people just started really seeing you know, people became more conscious about what they're putting in their body, mm-hmm. what they're eating. And I think veganism for a large part isn't about just like eliminating meat off the face of the planet. It's about conscious eating. It's true. And it's about, you know, eating things that are more nutritious, that are safer for the planet. Mm-hmm. And conscious eating comes with, you know, um, helping the planet out with uh, climate change. And so I think on that level, on a simple level, just like that, it's just consciousness, being aware of what you're doing and not just like eating McDonald's because it's cheap, you know, but getting good food and cooking at home because it's going to lead to better living, Uh you know, like this kind of eating, this kind of mentality is going to uh, prevent, help, fix 
whatever, um, or just start at least going in the right direction mm-hmm. for something like climate change, mm-hmm. you know, which whether it be, you know, a global catastrophe led by humans uh-huh. or a natural earth cycle, either way, just being conscious of the situation and it's approaching it with that kind of mentality Absolutely. is going to help it either way. Yeah. Every, every single step is a step in the right direction. Yeah. yeah agreed. Uh, let's see. Okay. So as a transition to this, I don't know if everybody knows, but impossible beef is now being sold in stores. Uh, and so I, let's see the, it is the number one selling packaged food at Gelson's. So they're doing it in Southern California. That was the first market they launched into. Um, they're at a hundred Wegmans across seven States on the East coast. They've got, they're also in two New York city fairway markets. Uh, it is eight 99 for 12 ounces, which I think is cheap or is more expensive than regular beef. That's pretty expensive. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah. One of the things 16 they t- ounces to a pound. That means that you're paying like $12.99, $13 a pound, something like that. Well, so one of the things they talked about, and I don't know if this is true, but I've seen them say this in the comment section of the Impossible Foods. They say that it cooks down less than beef does. So they say 16 pounds of beef is equal to or around the same as 12 ounces of Impossible. I, again, right, I, I haven't verified fats. that. That would that's what I would assume. Right, but, but the nutrients in the fats, so you can you, know, you still eat that. Yeah, probably you drink it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 or you just rub it like use it as a moisturizer. Oh, yeah, an Impossible smoothie. That's what I need, baby. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah, because the fat. Well, a lot. Let's say most burger meat has around I think thirty percent fat. Um, generally speaking, uh-huh. I think it's what the average is. Okay, so thirty percent of it, you know cook out i guess yeah there huh. should be some that remains huh. but yeah quite a bit burgers shrink down a lot you know i've i've like um really wanted to try the impossible burger uh-huh. and do you recommend going to a place to get it or trying it at a store first well, actually this is a great question so uh-huh. if everyone doesn't know in episode one we talked about how it had gone nationwide it is available at every burger king Across the nation. Doesn't matter where you are, you can get it. Now, here's the thing that's really tough. A lot of my family, for the first time, had the Impossible Burger at a Burger King. And I'm psyched they had it. It's great. I'm so glad that they tried it. But the thing that's tough is, if I said, is the Whopper good? Not even talking about the Impossible Whopper. Do you think the Whopper is a good burger? (laughs) Right. So the thing that's tough is that the places and the way that they're making it, I'm psyched that it's at. Burger King. I I have eaten it. I will continue to yeah. eat it. It's a great thing. But in the end, is it the best burger? The best way to have it? I, I don't think so. I mean, a really good it's burger, a, good yeah. a really good burger is one where they've seasoned and spiced it in a mm-hmm. particular way because that's how they make burgers. Yeah. And the accompaniments like the, the lettuce, tomato, and onion exactly, and bun right. are really good too. The sauce. And like the sauce everything. is really good. Yeah. And burger King, I wouldn't say that that's their focus and it shouldn't be. That's not what they're trying to do. So in that thing of should everybody go out and try the impossible? I, I want everybody to try it, mm-hmm. but I want them to also understand that if you walk in and you go, I can't, this, you know, this burger is not any good. I can't, you know, like, it, have you tried the impossible burger? And it's uh-huh. like, yeah, but you didn't like the original Whopper. Why are you going to like this? I, I don't know. I hope people see that. We'll sort of see. So you're saying it's if, okay. if you cook, if you know how to cook, go buy it, pack, yeah, go, make it yourself. Yeah, go do the thing and spice them and blend them. And do exactly what grandma used to do. If go off your own your beef best, recipe. Yeah. Yeah. If a microwave's your best friend, just maybe go try it at a Burger King. <laughs> well, no, you can you can do it on the, um, what's it, charbroiled? How do they how do they do charbroiled? They put it on a like conve- conveyor belt. That's uh-huh. what they do. You can do that there. 
Uh, but if you want it to technically technically be fully vegan, not on a grill, mm-hmm. um, on the charbroiled grill, then yeah, you have to technically have it microwaved. But I'm not doing that. I don't think you should do that. No, I Can you imagine having a microwave burger? No. I don't know, man. I mean, mm. I know the future was space food for a while. And like in theory, we you know, can do of, that. A lot of places like um, uh, hotels that do steaks that will tell that won't. They won't tell don't their customers. Don't, don't you do? Oh yeah. Oh no way. The customers that order like the thirty-two ounce well-done steak, no one wants to wait around forty-five minutes for this well-done steak to Cook. become well done. <laughs> Just sear it off, pop the microwave, Whoa. fifteen minutes. <laughs> right on. I've heard, I mean, you hear the things about do like it. Applebee's I, doing that sure. too. Do uh-huh. you think they're? I don't know if they're still high doing end, that. Uh, Hyatt. That was like that was a that was a Hyatt hotel that was done, and that was like a expensive steak, you know. But you know what's well done? I don't think people like how can you tell? It's I mean, but if you're eating a not. steak and you're getting to lay next to your pillow, I probably sort of equals out. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like I'm just saying, everything tastes better in bed. So maybe it even no, no, yeah. it doesn't even out. Okay, no, probably not. Okay, let's see. So next topic I want to talk about is the inimitable Greta Thunberg. So she is the 16 year old climate activist who I don't know if you heard, but she went from Europe to New York City, to I think New York City, um, on a boat because she was going to speak at the United Nations. And, uh, it, and she did. You can go online. You can hear her speech. It's, uh, it's really captivating. And um, she, I think she speaks to the power of trying to organize and galvanize behind anything. Mm-hmm. If you look at the first photos of her, which were about a year ago, she was by herself. And now there are these... I mean, mass protests, marches where people are out advocating 20, 30,000 people meeting in public. And this is happening. I mean, now they do it every Friday. It's a it's wow. a big deal. They just had the big climate strike. It was September um, 20th, I think was the day. But this just happened. And I mean, this was all over America. And it's I don't know. I think it's very exciting. She uh, they just put her on the cover of Teen Vogue. Um, wow. Oh, yeah, that's. For sure. If you're going on Vogue, it means you're hot shit. <laughs> um, what's been interesting is, I mean, obviously, Teen Vogue has she's moved 16? in. She's 16? She's 16. And she's from where? No- she, she, Yeah, she's Norwegian. Norwegian. Right. Yeah, Norway? Yeah. I was going to say. I think that's right. Hold on. Let's see. Greta Thunberg. I keep saying Greta Thunberg. And she's speaking on climate change. She, sorry, she's from Sweden. Uh, Sweden. Yeah, she's yeah, she's talking about yeah, she's talking about climate change, and she is a vegan. Oh, her. Th- oh man, sorry. She has an amazing full name. I just saw this. Greta Tintin Eleonora Ernman Thunberg. Wow, what a name! I feel like mm-hmm. if you're born with five names, you have to do something cool. Like you have it's to a say it's a whole thing all the time. Well, I mean, you should. I mean, <laughs> obviously should, too. Yeah. But I just feel like that's the thing that's amazing is mm-hmm. if you have five names, you're required by law to. You know what I mean? It's like if you're to the do fifth. Something with your life. If you're the fifth of something, you know what I mean? You're in a family lineage where they keep naming you after uh-huh. a grandmother or a grandfather. I. You just you're bound to do like something cool. If I was cool. Jesse Mullinex the fifth, exactly. Like yeah, you'd be a king or an emperor somewhere. Man. To think that if all I was, if, if only, I was old, if only, only. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could have been somebody. I I want to talk about. I think for her, the thing that's really interesting is people are coming to veganism for different reasons, and she is the most vocal climate activist there mm-hmm. is. And I think for many people, a lot of people are coming to veganism for climate reasons. They understand that it's a way to have less of an impact mm-hmm. and that's how they're getting interested. And I think that's wonderful. And 
Greta is now sort of the face of that movement. I think there are a lot of I, one of the things that I will say, and I, I need to do more research into this, but the there are a lot of children sort of around the globe who are really trying to sort of change their environments. And she happens to be yeah. in a place where she got a platform and people were looking to her because, you know, she's young and she's white and she speaks fairly well. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to figure out how to, I think everyone's trying to navigate that. Yeah. She, I, the right wing easily, you know, sort of starts attacking her. The president goes off against her. Lots of, Oh really? Trump's on her ass. Yeah, Trump's oh on my her God. Ass. Yeah. So, um, well, of course you can't pass that up. You Plastic. know, it's like, a. He's probably thinking like, oh, this would be easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. but anyways, you know what? I, I've been talking about this idea with some people, friends, but just about how our younger generation, like the generation that's preceding my generation in a mm-hmm. sense, they grew up with the internet and these social media platforms that were just in the infantile stage when I was in high school, you know? Oh yeah. And when you're in high school, probably mm-hmm. like we were, we, we saw it all come to life and it's become part of our lives, but we didn't grow up necessarily with it being this, just what we do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was like this, you know, we're going in and learning something new. It's totally true. Hold on. We're going to take a real quick break. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by an opportune barking. This commercial break brought to you by Alex's Stomach Crowley. It's hungry. Is it dinner? And we are back. So I was talking about how the youth, the generation preceding us, that they're growing up with like social media and things you know, just information, the the internet, the social media is a platform to learn, you Mm. know, to receive information from a, a world. We're not, we're not waiting. The kids aren't waiting to learn from their teachers, not waiting to learn from their parents. Oh no. They're going leaps and bounds beyond what even our generation was, was doing. We're, we're just now like even, you know, really understanding like what, is available with this resource as, you know, and I think kids that like, that's what we're seeing these kids these days that are, they're just on to another level of, I feel than what my generation was of just consciousness and awareness of their bodies and what they can do. Like you're seeing kids doing like, like parkour, for instance, that's it. Like that's a phenomenon. Kids are like Bruce leeing it out on top of uh-huh. on buildings and stuff. Uh-huh. And it's just like a extracurricular activity. Uh-huh. You know, it's not even like they're just doing it because they have the resources to learn that. Oh, I can do this. Right. I can, I can be a part of this. Uh-huh. I don't have to wait for my parents or schools well, or classes. Absolutely. I mean, if you see a crazy video on TikTok, you realize that those there's not some big budget behind this thing. It's literally like some dude who's just messing around or some lady who's trying something new and they're literally just posting it. Mm. And whenever you see someone with the exact same tools you have, you realize I can do this. This is possible. This is not that hard. I mean, I, I had a friend when I was in school and YouTube was sort of in its infancy. It was invented the year I started college. And when that happened, I mean, my friend within the first two years, he was learning how to do so many things off of YouTube. And I, when he showed it right. to me, I was like, you can learn from this. Like, this is where you can go. Yeah. And he, it was just like, it was 
I mean, kind of blew it's, my it's mind. It's amazing. Yeah. Because right, so right now we're seeing a generation of, of kids who, you know, basically we're seeing how adults have failed to to provide learning systems for kids on like, you know, a larger scale. And now kids are able to learn so and be aware. And they're really showing, and kids are really showing that like they're able to comprehend and learn things at an exponential rate and their energy and drive that they have as in their youth can be directed towards uh, issues and things that are very, you know, complex Mm -hmm. for the, just the entirety of the human race. And, you know, like, then this is why we're seeing kids like they're 16, you know, doing amazing things is because they're, they're aware of it and they're given the platforms and the, the resources to learn and be a part of it. So I think we're, yeah, we're like, this is amazing, you know, like, Kids should be doing more stuff and, and and more involved with our country and which or the world and which way it's going. And and know? I think they will now. I mean, mm-hmm. I I think seeing someone like Greta Thunberg, you go, oh, I can do this. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the next five to ten years, I think, are going to be a, a massive sea change relative yeah. to what we had known or what we thought was possible as far as galvanizing people online, sort of people starting to show their interests, trying to get behind opportunities growing sort of in their into their professional life as far as what their interests are early very early i think that's yeah. going to be really a, something that we haven't seen before right i i totally agree it's it's going to be amazing it's, we're, we're seeing a generation that grew up with you know the internet all this information you could literally just get on it and just spend hours and hours just researching anything you want mm-hmm. and and getting this is like people have went to MIT, graduate from MIT purely online, you know. So, you know, we're and then now the generation is becoming adults and becoming the leaders, and we're and that's you know we're seeing these new steps being taken with our food and mm-hmm. our medicine and the way our city is being run and waste disposal, all these things that are so critical, and grow up thinking like, oh man, this sucks. Like, why are we doing this? And then people. You know, oh, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And people being like, and the kids being like, no, it's really not just the way it is. It's just the way we're doing it. Uh-huh. And it can be different. And now things like veganism that are talking about this can change climate change. Mm-hmm. You know, that we can solve hunger. We can solve waste problems. We can solve all these problems just by being more conscious about what we're doing and what we're eating. I, I think what you said Boom. is entirely right. You said everybody's just becoming more conscious. And I think that's. I think that's literally it. It's mm-hmm. it's just the awareness that's really the obstacle. It really is. And as long as, like I said, as long as people are aware of what they're eating, the, I have no problem with, I mean, people can eat whatever they want to eat. And right. I'm excited for that. I just, I want people to know that they're making a choice. Right. Uh, and, and I think and that's the it. balance returns. Right. You know, that's, I think that's one of the huge reasons why veganism is so prominent right now is that it's crying out for a balance. The meat industry the way we consume our meat is insane it's just it's, it's just unsustainable it's unsustainable it's, yeah. it's really the final sort of token in that uh, right let's see okay and the last most interesting topic that is going on in the vegan world right now it was just announced that disney is going to at all of their theme parks in america only america so far have vegan options at Every single restaurant. Now, this is massive, okay? So they are going to have more than 400 vegan dishes will be available at quick service and table restaurants in Orlando, Florida's Walt Disney World, and that will happen in 
early October of this year. And then that will move to, uh, let's see, that's going to move to Disneyland in the spring of 2020. But this is in the end going to end up being, let's see, 602 places in Disney World. And this includes, and this is also every, let's see, so there are 30, I didn't know this, there are 36 hotels in Disney World. Did you know that? Disney has 36 hotels at Disney World. Wait, is that just one place? Disney World is one place. Disney World is one place. Is that in LA? No, that's Orlando. It's Orlando. Disneyland. There's 30. There are 36. There are three in Anaheim. I know. I didn't know this either. But it it gives you a... smoke. I mean, really think about the scale of all this. This is gargantuan. I mean, so here's here's what I think. You always hear about like, um, for example, if you go to Las Vegas and you go to the Wynn Hotel... That Wynn Hotel, there's a chef named Tal Ronan who has a, a place that we're going to talk about in a little bit called Crossroads, and that's where they make a lot of interesting vegan dishes. Um, he did all of, he helped consult on all of the vegan menus at those Las Vegas restaurants, but that's probably like 15 restaurants. Can you imagine if you, say you were the person who oversaw the sort of vegan shift here, you're introducing a vegan dish at every restaurant. How, how long would it take you to do 400 vegan dishes to quality check that if you were the head chef? 400? How long? Yeah. I mean, really, to work out those recipes, 400. I mean, how long do you think they've been working on this? I'd say, uh, yeah, well, in Disney, that's probably, man, a couple couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you would figure so. This is a behemoth. This is a massive. They're not yeah, doing this lightly. How much bureaucracy there is in, in like hierarchy and right. something like Disneyland? Right. It would probably each recipe would probably take minimum a month. <laughs> well, that's what you'd figure. Probably. Right, right, right. Because they've got to test it and they've got to figure out if they can source this ingredient and regularly from people who are uh-huh. going to want to like make sure they're doing their job so they're going to want to change something to make sure that they're you know exactly they have to make sure that that kitchen can cook it that it doesn't take too long to prepare there are so many parts of this and that it it meets the Disney I'm sure Disney has so much Mm -hmm. criteria that Uh you have to meet in Uh order for it to become a Disney thing right they're not just going to be like that tastes great it's in it's it's gotta like have probably a lot of concept behind it I, um, yeah, and they're trying to Disney make them philosophy. Well, let's see. So if you look up, let's see, vegan, if you do star Wars, yeah, there we go. Vegan star Wars land. Um, if you go in, you can do, they, they make like a milk ish drink. That's I think like an almond milk thing, but it's like colored. It's really crazy. Yeah. Blue and green milk. It's completely dairy free. comes frozen and unfrozen. Oh, um, and these dishes are like geared towards exactly. like they have star to, Wars. Yeah, if you're in frontier land or star Wars land or whatever, they're all like themed. So they, they have like they have a, to a connect. Mickey Mouse, like cashew cheese. Probably. Is Mickey, is Mickey Mouse going to go vegan? This is what I do. I'm, Maybe <laughs> it'll be a, a, like a bro, like a cousin, uh-huh. you know, like a Mickey Mouse. <laughs> That's a V. He was like green overall. Leafy mouse. Yeah, leafy mouse. <laughs> He's a, yeah. Um, I, that's a wonderful question. It does make you think maybe they'll like. Shape I wonder if healthy. they'll sort of go through and take one of the characters that already exists, you know, something like Goofy. Like, I could see them totally being like, guess what? Goofy's vegan. Like, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't know it, but that weird dude who's kind of lanky, he's vegan. Like, you, he would be we, vegan. He's, yeah, I know. He, of course, they would make Goofy. Vegan. That would be like that makes sense. playing to the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. The thing that excites me the most about this is that I feel like this is signaling to, you know, the greater American climate, at least sort of what's happening in the food world. Oh, that yeah, this is not middle America. Well, I was going to say this yeah. is not a phase mm-hmm. that, that, that it's really speaking to like we are trying to hit a broad group of people. And we yeah. understand that this is not just 
a trend. Right. And I, I mean, it is, it's still a question. It's, it's still very early right now. It's still technically a trend. I it's mean, it's not a trend. No, I, you can't call it a trend. I, once it goes global on, on, uh, Burger King and Disney like this, I, I would and say also with like mm, sprouts market, all the organic, like these are movements that are, in my opinion of the same, even though organic and vegan aren't necessarily the same thing. True. They speak volumes to one another. I just think, I think you can only say something's not a trend over time. So in my brain, something's not a trend if five years from now, because I feel like veganism is sort of peak veganism right now. But if five years from now, it's still everywhere. It's not a trend. Well, how long has Crossroads been there? Well, it's been years, right? um, That's a great question. I'd say like maybe eight. I don't think veganism is a trend anymore. I, because LA has been like, when I was a kid, my dad went vegan and started doing yoga and he was like the first guy in echo park Whoa, growing what? up how old were you like what year was this we I, I think around seven i was like seven around this all started taking form so 90 like 96 97 96 97 yeah my, my age follows the years so i don't ever get confused <laughs> <laughs> it's great uh-huh. i just look back like oh, i was like 2012 i was 22 <laughs> but um so, you know, and that was back in LA when Echo Park was still full of gangsters and it was, you know, the ungentrified lost uh, Echo Park Silver Lake area. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's still Silver Lake still had a, reputa- represent, uh, a reputation of being gay. Uh-huh. And that was still, uh, you know, a thing back then. But the yoga and the vegan thing was just barely starting. And my dad was probably the only guy in LA, I mean, in Echo Park that wore a cowboy hat, did, did yoga and, um, was vegan and, or not vegan. He was vegetarian. Uh He'd still eat eggs. Sure. sure. But then that was the only thing. Interesting. And, you know, but that was, yeah, that was a freaking 20 years ago. Sure. Or not 20 years ago, like 15 years ago or something. Uh And, um, you know, but since then it's, like it's just become more and more that like uh-huh. I we I watched it go from being you know Cholo Land the jungle Echo Park ASA uh-huh. to being like you you know you have places like Kitchen Mouse and these vegan restaurants and Sage Sage Vegan uh-huh. and these vegan ice cream shops and just popping up and it's you're it's not a trend it's it's going strong and it's been it's been going strong if it was just a trend it would already be dying out. Mm. And would it be, they'd be on to the next, you know, but it really isn't. It's, it's here to stay. And it's something that, that I think that we're recognizing as a culture that we need to just get, you know, not that we need to get rid of meat, but that we need to start eating good quality vegetables and sure. produce like period. <laughs> well, believe me, buddy. I, uh, I, I want to believe that I am with you. Yeah. I hope that is true. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to hear Jesse talk about what it is like to do a pop-up. Yes, the nightmare. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is proudly brought to you by pants. You gotta wear them. I mean, sometimes. Topo for burping. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Coasters. They're cool. Don't leave rings. to talk with Jesse Molinix about doing food pop-ups. So Jesse, tell us a little bit about the first time you did a food pop-up. Well, I, um, 
like a food pop-up. I guess the first time I did like a pop-up would be, hmm, when did I get into it? I started just kind of, oh, you know, the first place I did it was in New York. I met a, a friend of mine named Brent Wagner, who I worked with a lot on different like pop-up events at people's houses. And I was working at a catering company called Capital where I was cooking in the kitchen and also serving. And he invited me to this place in the Hamptons where we had a cook-off and invited friends over and to cook who cooked the best things. And of course, what kind doubt, of food were you making? Help we everybody just, understand. We were doing just like things of the market, plates, kind of family style plates. But what's that mean? Like barbecue sandwiches? Oh no. We're do, so I did scallops with like an orange sauce and uh-huh. squash blossoms. And uh-huh. I think he did like some fish dishes and we just made like an array of like tasty things just to try. And uh-huh. then we invited friends over uh-huh. And that was kind of like the birth of like, oh, this is fun. We should do this and make money at it. Uh-huh. And then later, years later in L.A., we teamed up together and we um, started doing events at people's houses. And we would do things like pizza parties mm-hmm. or we would do barbecues with fish. But I also got into before that, I got into doing street food, too, huh. where I had a pop up little like street food thing which was like a table, mm-hmm. some burners. I had a one cooler and um, a grill at one point. And yeah, it was just like, I just show up at an, uh, there's a nightclub echo plex uh-huh. and there's a tattoo shop. My friend had, and I uh-huh. post up right there. Well, so when you say street food though, what does that mean? Do you mean like hot dogs? Give it again, sort of oh, help me I understand doing, what you're making. I was doing teriyaki chicken bowls. Word. Okay. And I'd also had so a, a bowl dish. with like rice had, and then yeah, like rice. grains. Was there like cabbage? What do we so what it would do, what it'd be was I'd put some cabbage in the bottom and yeah. I'd put a hot sauce that I would make on top of that. Uh-huh. And then I would um, fry rice with fresh herbs, basil, mint, and cilantro, uh-huh. and chopped scallions, and then put that into on top and then put chicken that was cooked with rice. I mean, not cooked with rice, cooked with onions and peppers uh-huh. on top of that. And then it would get teriyaki, teriyaki chicken, I mean, teriyaki sauce. Then it would get a garlic white sauce. And some more hot sauce if you wanted, fresh herbs, and then more uh, chopped scallions. Did you have like a name for this place when you did it? I just, no, I kind of, people call me Teriyaki Jesse. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. That's a good nickname for you. Yeah, was I feel good. like, yeah, that sounds about right. It was good. It, I, I tried a bunch of different things too, to, because, you know, the crowds are finicky because it's a lot, when you're a white boy doing the street food, uh-huh. you know, you don't really get the best. Like, uh, people aren't just like, Oh hell yeah, this is awesome. I want to check this out. People are like, well, I've got a lot of people are like, what are you doing cooking street food? So you got to kind of do like something special. Well, and that's also you. So to give everybody a little context. So the Echoplex is one of like just the best like venues for dancing and concerts. It's sort of in Silver Lake Mm -hmm. Echo, Echo Park area. It's really fun, but it's very, it's like a very drunken scene. You know what I mean? uh People are not walking, (laughs) like this is not like a typical street market. It's like people coming out and they have, you know, been dancing all night on Thursday at like, you know, not dance yourself clean. What was the soul one that they used to do? They did Funky Soul Night. Funky Soul. What a great night. I do Funky Soul and I'd also always do, um, Reggae night on oh, Wednesdays. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's how I got started. And Wednesday, there's a whole bunch of people. There's sure. a hot dog. There's the hot dog guy always killed it because uh-huh. that's people it's hard know to it. Beat the yeah, hot I was going to say man. people. People know they like are already craving. They're like, I'm going dancing. I'll walk out. They're going to be serving hot dogs because uh-huh. the hot dog is probably the 
probably, well, I would say, I don't know if it's, yeah, it's the most common thing because it probably takes the least amount of work. You can manage it on one card. Hot dog and if tacos. You do, yeah, if you do tacos, you need more people working. You need more people working. Yeah, right. you need this, the hot dog. That's why it was, because it just, you come over, it's like $4 a hot dog, uh-huh. $1 for a drink, it's $5. You slap it on a bun, you send it out, it's good. You know, but there's, and then also like the vegan uh-huh. option, right? Uh-huh. So I would, I did, she would, I always had a vegan option because there was always around like well, 10 people. I mean, I was going to say it's your audience, your Silver Lake Echo Park. Yeah. Even if you were doing this five years ago, that was still happening out here. And people always ask for it, you know, and getting known to have a vegan option, like, helps. It, it helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and people will come for it. Interesting. And honestly, if I did it, if I ever did it again, I would go, I would definitely get something and gear towards that a little more because uh-huh. it's an untapped crowd. Whereas the drunken crowd, like they want the hot dog and sure. the Mexican tacos because it's familiar, it's comfortable. And, you know, for me, it's like, it's a little more of a gamble. People aren't, people that tried it will come back, but uh-huh. people, but getting people to just try it, they're like, uh, I know I'm going to like the hot dog. I'll just take that. Yeah, it's classic, it's just, right? It's it's expected. You know what you're mm-hmm. having, right? So, uh, let, so to give everybody like an idea of what this is like. All right. If you're, if you know, Thursday night, you're going to go out, you're going to set this thing up. How far in advance do you have to start prepping? How much time does this take for you to set up shop that night for four hours, you know, at 9 PM? Well, so you got to go, it's, Hunting and gathering okay. for your ingredients uh-huh. is definitely the most time consuming. So would you go to the supermarket so go, in the morning? Yeah, like I would what go happens? to yeah. In the morning I would go to this place called Lock C L A X dash C. Uh-huh. It's like Asian Costco. And uh-huh. I'd go get like, you know, a fifty bot pound box of chicken uh-huh. that was like at a dollar a quarter a pound, uh-huh. you know, not organic or anything. Uh-huh. Sure, and then I'd sure. get like my peppers, big bags of peppers, all from these like restaurant uh, supply stores and you'd buy, you know, you'd buy a pretty good amount because the more you buy, the cheaper it is. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then you got to go home and I would cook everything. First I was doing everything on the grill and that was tasted better, but it was insane because of how much chicken and sure. cleaning. And do you mean you would pre cook on the grill? Pre cook. Oh, you would pre cook. Yeah, okay. I'd cook everything. Uh, so it's still a little bit raw in uh-huh. the middle. Sure. Or and just, then you'd finish it on the spot. Finish it on the spot. Is yeah. that is that what you think? Like, was that the most efficient way to do it, or were you? I mean, obviously, you you want it to taste good. You're mm-hmm. trying to focus on that taste. Was that the best way to have the best taste? That is the best way to have the best taste for sure. Yeah, because this the the charcoal you get that charcoal taste, uh-huh. and I was cooking on the gas grill on uh-huh. the street, uh-huh. so it's still that charcoal flavor. Uh-huh. But eventually, that just became too much. I was like, this is too much work uh-huh. for like how much I'm getting in return. Uh-huh. So then I just started baking it, uh-huh. you know, and just like cook baking it till it was just par cooked uh-huh. and then chopping it all up and then sauteing it. And that was still pretty good. Not as good as the grilling it. So I've heard the term, you know, par baking or par mm-hmm. cook. Does par cook mean halfway? What is that? What is yeah. technically par? It's like halfway. Okay. It just means that it's not fully done. Not fully. Yeah. Okay. I see. So it's just sort of relative to who's uh, cooking it or making it. That it doesn't, it's not like a technical term. Yeah. Okay. But you know, as we know in LA, street food has become legal. Well, so that's something I wanted to talk about too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Out here, I mean, it, it has become legal. People have been doing it forever. You know, Highland Park, there's a ton of vegan street food places. There's like vegan tacos, oh. plant-based proteins. Boy, York Street. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? That yeah, is York supposed street. to be the most vegan street in America. And I, I mean, to be honest, I, I, it's incredible. I'm near it. I'm like, I walk there sometimes uh-huh. and, uh, 
yeah, is it's, really good. It's crazy. I there's actually a place that I really want to take you to <clears throat> called Bang Bang Noodles. It's like mm-hmm. um, the northern Chinese noodles with the Szechuan peppers. You're telling me about this. Yeah, I know. I know. We're gonna go. Don't worry. See, I was thinking if like if I I I do want to do another street food place, and I think it'd be really cool to do a place that was a little bit more on the side of fantasy <laughs> than just like your normal street food place. What's fantasy mean? Well, kind of like you know. As if it just appeared like a little noodle, a little noodle spot. A that small like little had, oasis. You're yeah, like, am like, I in, am I, is this really happening? Just like a little yatai, you know, <laughs> like uh, that was just a little bit more on the realm of like, I, I was in Japan. There's these places, there's these street food things called yatais and the, like these carts that kind of fold up and down with like an awning and, uh-huh. and there's like a, they all have a little refrigeration section. You can stand up in them have a little. Like, but they're all compact and it's like a little restaurant on wheels, you know, mm-hmm. that's tiny and has like wood and they look really cool. Well, that sounds amazing. And Japan. I think doing something like that with like noodles, mm-hmm. like drunken noodles, like more f- like fresh sauteed wok kind of thing would be really cool mm-hmm. and kind of move it around. Kind of like how Koji Taco truck did it, but get away from the commercial like truck aspect sure you know yeah because well the trucks what's interesting is the truck was really the first thing to come into los angeles and help us mm. see i mean i think street food i, I don't know because oh, yeah. but i think street food had been happening in los angeles forever like you were talking about those yeah. the hot dog carts mm-hmm. are i mean they're everywhere but the truck was the first thing that really was the first time in through social media people were I think knew about it, at least yeah. as far as I knew, we're lining up for it. But I feel like that's sort of shifting now because there are places that I know a bunch of them that don't have, that do not have a truck and they are, I mean, they, they get massive lines. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, the truck, the, the days of the truck are kind of like, like they're, it's so saturated. And the well, it's, food, it's harder too. You have to find a, park to, a place to park. And I think the upkeep, the, I mean, the joy of the tent is it's literally fewer items in play. Yeah. But you do have to, it's harder set up and takedown, I would assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Setting up those little street food things are, I had a very small, I could set my whole stand up in, I think like 10 minutes. Okay. Set up breakdown uh-huh. really fast. Uh huh. But, you know, the, the driving the stuff and washing it and storing it and mm-hmm. all those aspects, it's full time. It's a lot of work, mm-hmm. you know, but it's it's one of those things that allows for, you, you know, something that's that's a little bit more creative, a little more down to earth. Mm-hmm. And and also it opening up to street food, opening up to different realms of the away from the taco, the the, the hot dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to start seeing just like, you know, kind of like how street food is in Southeast Asia. Right. But not, I guess you will never see it to that level, but seeing it. Yeah. The, those markets in Southeast Asia are, I mean, incredible. Thai food, Chinese mm-hmm. food, everybody. Oh my God, I want to go so bad. Well, one of the things that I think is interesting is, I mean, the essentially the lower the overhead, the more you can risk things, yeah. right? Because it's, uh-huh. you get to take chances. You can buy ingredients and go, we're trying something new tonight. And that's, I think, really the beauty of these pop-ups is mm-hmm. often I get to try food that may not survive in a restaurant that... If you can't, you know what I mean? You, right. you might only need 40 customers to make it if you're doing street food. Whereas you may have to, if you have a restaurant, you might have to have 80 tops. 
Yeah, exactly. Minimum. You know, th- when I was in Japan, one of the coolest things that I noticed there was there's a lot of really small restaurants, uh-huh. little small businesses. Right, which is the, the joy of Japan. Right. And the reason why they're able to do this just be- is literally because their overhead is mm-hmm. nothing like we have here. The run of rent and, and taxes, on all that that you got to pay, you have to do X amount of customers and have so much business just to survive. Well, one of the things that I think Japan does that's so interesting, if I told you, guess what? We're going to go down to the bus stop and you're going to have one of the best meals of your life. You'd be like, Cole, that's crazy. That doesn't happen. Right. I mean, actually, that's not really true in Los Angeles. In mm-hmm. Los Angeles, we're, we know our strip malls have great food. But I mean, for the people at home, Nothing I don't like know Japan, if anyone's though. ever noticed this. Nothing like Japan. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> Jiro Dreams of Sushi, probably one of the most famous food films to come out in the yeah. last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Jiro is in a metro stop. Right. And most people, I think you would never, you wouldn't bat an eye if you were in Japan. You'd go, oh, of course, they're going to have great food everywhere because it doesn't matter if you're in a metro stop or in a strip mall or whatever that is, it sort of works out. And I think that's why Los Angeles has been interesting for that too. Right. With Jonathan Gold. I mean, he was known for exploring strip malls. That was sort of his specialty. Well, the thing that where I think that I, I'm hope, I hope that I'm seeing this push in LA, like with the legalization of street food and allowing people to operate kind of in this gray area. Right. What I think that we're like the similarity to Japan in this is that if we allow, if, if something like a new ordinance or like if people could operate a business at a smaller scale, Uh if there was a way of allowing that to happen where people could make a living Mm -hmm. off of smaller scale businesses, we would see more businesses and we'd see more artistic driven businesses. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's what we're, that's what we see in Japan. People, because they don't have to work at this crazy level, right. Art drives the boat. Right. You know, well, if you walk into a restaurant where there's a, 10 seats or eight seats in Japan, that one chef could make food for every single one of those eight seats. If you have, right. I mean, if you get up to like, let's say you have 30 chairs in your restaurant, you need to have a, a full kitchen, maybe four mm-hmm. people working in there. You know what I mean? Prepping food. Yeah. And, and here an eight seat restaurant wouldn't, can't survive. I just can't survive. Interesting. You know, even if you're the only person doing it, all that, like it just, it, you, the overhead isn't is too much uh-huh. like with all the taxes and, and rent and the licensing and stuff. But if there was a way that, and I, I, I kind of feel like that with street food being legalized in these, like you see it in the artist district, you see these places pop ups operate and then the city's allowing it to happen. So I'm hoping that we'll, will there'll be some kind of new thing that will allow these smaller businesses to, to be able to thrive because uh-huh. you, the quality of everything will go up. With that, it's very interesting, and yeah. you just you would you would get more cool things happening. It's true. Well, so speaking of cool things, speaking of quality, when we come back, we are going to talk about the three tier or two tier two tier seafood tower at Crossroads. Mm-hmm. So come on back. We're going to go to commercial, and we'll be right back. I'm here to talk to you about meundies. Meundies are a delicacy around my house. My dog eats them. Because I got that good, good. Vegan, carne, alliance. All right, and welcome back, everybody. We are now going to talk about a wild and weird experience that can only happen in Los Angeles at a restaurant called Crossroads. Now, Crossroads is on Melrose. It is uh, a restaurant by Tall Ronan um, with executive chef Scott Jones. And we went there to have... The closest thing that I can think of to Disneyland with food as a vegan, 
Um, it's, it's sort of, it's a really elaborate meal that's in its own weird way, also not elaborate at all. So sometimes I think sometimes when you think of fancy, right, you think of like 12 course meal, you know, it's, they serve you this and this and this and this, it's come out, it's regimented. You don't get any choices. Like you pay, you know, a few hundred dollars. It's this very specific sort of thing. And then it comes out and that's all you get. The, the meal that we got, although it's, it is locked in. You only get these specific particular things. Um, it is, it's, it's like much simpler. I mean, I always think of, I think it's sort of like, it's a, it's straightforward. It's like attempting to be seafood that's fried. It's not like, mm-hmm. it's not weird recreations yeah. where it's like a sea urchin baked in something with a <laughs> something reduction. It's like, no, this is <clears throat> us just taking mushrooms, trying to make it taste like yeah. X, Y, and Z. Well, what I really, I really got from going to that restaurant was that, what they really do well is they take they take dishes that are carnivorous mm. and make it vegan. Mm. You know, like the meatball pizza last night. True. And the whole seafood tower was was very much like you know you the real thing. And I think they do they do that very well there. Well, yes, yeah, so that that sort of like brings us in. So it's a seafood tower. Yeah. It's two tiers uh-huh. of <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six. Let's see. Let me read this off. Okay. So it's king oyster mushroom calamari, casino style shiitake mushrooms, artichoke oyster mushroom Rockefeller, tempura battered lobster mushrooms, fresh rambutan ceviche, smoked carrot locks with kelp caviar and almond milk cream fresh. Shiitake oyster style shooter with vodka, tequila, or gazpacho, cocktail sauce, and then it all comes with cocktail sauce and tartar sauce. And then they also bring out some Parker House rolls. So everybody who's listening at home, mm. it's crazy. I'm gonna post a photo of this to Instagram when this goes live so you can see what we're talking about. It's a very it's like a again, it's an elaborate, unelaborate affair. It all comes out as one thing. It's an eight-course meal as one course. They bring it out and it's a singular thing. It takes them, I mean, I assume a long time to prepare. But so you were saying this is something you've been to. I I haven't eaten a ton of seafood. I'm from Missouri. I haven't done right. a lot of that. Have you been to places that bring out like towers of oh, food? Oh yeah, uh huh, for sure. Yeah, I've I've definitely eaten the the meat version of that many times. You have? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like for fried <clears throat> and like you know they they didn't have anything to replace the shrimp uh like cocktail, but you know oh, they're right. but they're the the. Was it the lobster mushrooms or a tempura fried? Uh-huh. Lobster, yeah. You know, those are great. That's like, ex- you know, exactly like, um, like what, what was that exactly? <laughs> like little fried fish or something, you know, mm-hmm. that you dip in the tartar sauce. Sure. And then the calamari, which was... That was the was king oyster. King oyster, right? Yeah, because they had said... So previously I had had this and it was with um, hearts of palm. But this time they've switched it out. They're doing a new thing. Mm-hmm. And sort of the whole the whole of this thing is supposed to be spurred by the seasonality of certain mushrooms. So they only do this in the fall at this restaurant. And it's this kind of, I don't know, it's this thing they like, un, you know, they announce it. They're like, oh, we've got this meal, but only for a limited time, which I think is actually kind of a fun way to do it. You like, you go, you don't have to think well, about mushrooms, it. Mushrooms, you kind of have to. Mushrooms are hard to get. Right. Mushrooms right. are not one of those that are like you know, easily cultivated and are ready to just be bought, you know, so That's doing, true. doing mushrooms and also like a variety like that and using it in interesting ways, really awesome. Huh. The little, the little calamari, the king oyster, the king oyster is so versatile. It's got such great body and texture huh. and 
you know, they must have punched it out, make those little rings, and then also use little chips of it to create like looks of, you know, pieces that kind of break apart in the fryer and stuff. Because <laughs> they definitely did on purpose. If they wanted to do everyone perfectly round, totally. they totally could have. <laughs> but true. that's not what they're going for. True. They wanted to make it look more rustic, like something that you would get at a harbor restaurant. Like it's, it's true, yeah. You know, fisherman town. I, I don't think they want this thing, although it's it's like sort of fancy. So for the price reveal at home, it's ninety five dollars for this tower. And the more I thought about the sort of work that goes into it and all of the sort of elaborate pieces, and I mean, like I said, it's like an it's like eight courses in one, mm-hmm. and you just sort of like to me, the more I thought about, like I know ninety five dollars is a lot, but for sort of to take a moment to celebrate something, to have a fancy meal, I feel like. What they brought out, I kind of think that was underpriced. I feel like $95 is not that much for all that we received. Mm -hmm. Just for the amount of effort that goes into all of those individual pieces, the wrapping, the smoking. Well, and remember, too, that we declined, but you could have had four shots of liquor on the bottom (laughs) of that thing. That's also true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That would have been, um, you know, at least a quarter (laughs) <laughs> it's true. So in the sort of elaborate presentation of this thing, right? It's two towers. Mm-hmm. It's It feels sort of... So on a bed of sea salt. Right. Bottom one is ice. Bottom one is all ice. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's like, there's kelp in there. There are little sheets of... Yeah. The level of presentation that goes involved, that is involved. <clears throat> I know, but my... <laughs> um, is something to consider. <laughs> yeah. Have you all ever had a meal that was presented and it's like... I mean, I think that's the most fun, again, presentation I've ever had as far as like a meal goes. It's, it's definitely I, like I in would the top. disagree. Oh, you don't think so? Dirt Candy. I remember Dirt well, Candy it's, with it's the tower. Like, those were like a three tier. Oh, that's right. They did a tower also. <clears throat> yeah. Tower so of, Alex and I ate at a place called Dirt Candy in New York City. But that we, was like a seven course meal. That's right. That was also very elaborate. Yeah. Th- those were, th- I was going to say, those were like in my, you know, top few experiences. Yeah. I haven't had that many meals where it's, it, the, it just feels like there's that much consideration for mm-hmm. how they present the things. Well, I felt like that it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it was the most, actually one of the, the feels I got from Crossroads that I enjoyed was it, it, it had n- like nice food, nice small plates, but you know, like the cauliflower dish, the roasted pan, that was a nice tasty dish. And you know, it wasn't covered in micro herbs and different colors mm-hmm. and all that it was pretty simple and i felt like the the food there kind of had this like straightforwardness to it Mm -hmm. that was you know laid back for a fine dining or you know upscale dining experience and it was is nice you know do you all like that uh i i i like that when i go to yeah when i go to fancy spots i i can sometimes feel really anxious in them it feels like i'm like out of place or something. And so whenever I go to them, I do like it when there's like a simpler presentation. I mean, we've talked about it, but like one of the reasons why I like, there's a place called Craig's out here. It's sort of fancy Italian. And one of the reasons why I like there is because for the most part, like at least with the servers, it feels, it just feels less pretentious, which sometimes you get when you Mm -hmm. go to places and it makes a meal off putting, even if they aren't trying to really do that. It's hard. It's a hard thing to manage. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, food with the like chef's table and the blow up on the whole restaurant scene, food became very precious. You know, it had this and you had chefs with tweezers and that's very nice. And, and you know, there's a lot of, you know, 
reason behind not just even like oh this tastes good but like oh i do this because it means so much to my culture but to get back to just like food being food and when you're going to eat like it's you don't feel like you're you know in this uptight anxious kind of space you're able to relax and just be like okay yeah like this is a meatball pizza, but it's not meatballs, but it's a fucking meatball pizza, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. True. <laughs> it's nice. It's real. It's casual. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. And also taking it from like, yeah, like I eat meat. I go there. Those meatballs taste like meat. Uh-huh. You know, the, the seafood tower resembled very much of what I was going for. And it was also very flavorful in its own right. Yeah. So, so that was one of the questions I wanted to have. I have had this tower before. Mm-hmm. I think I did it once once before. This was a first time for both of you. You had seen photos of it. How did this sort of differ for you in the actual experience of seeing it and eating it on your own? Was it, did it live up to expectations? Did you have expectations? Um, I would, I was expecting it to be pretty good. And it was. So I think it lived up to my expectations. I think that place, I've never been to Crossroads. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Mm. Um, and from what I gathered, it lived up to kind of what the what, what I thought it was going to be like, mm. you know. And yeah, I would go back 100%. <laughs> In terms of like, because you've eaten actual seafood. I haven't really eaten that much seafood. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um like I've never had calamari or lobster, but you have. Mm-hmm. Did the were they hitting like the flavor and textural notes of those of those things? Like, was it good? Was it a good mm-hmm. copy? Yeah, I would. I I think they were mushrooms. I think are a good copy for seafood to have that nice sponginess with a bite. The um, the oyster mushrooms and calamari. Calamari is like you know it's got that bounciness. that's like only plastic can replicate. <laughs> so, you know, it, it didn't quite have that. And, but, you know, for me, that's okay. You know, it's like, it still had the crunchiness of the outside with the cornmeal. I think it was cornmeal, right? That outside. was one of the things I wanted to talk about. They, so they did a few, there's tempura batter and mm-hmm. then there, I couldn't tell on the other ones. Yeah. I'm not sure. I was wondering about the batters that they were using. Yeah. I, the tempura, def, yeah, that was like a nice, it looked like, um, they use gluten there, right? They're, yeah, oh, the yeah, pizza yeah. is gluten and everything. Uh-huh. So, yeah, they just look like regular tempura batter to me. Uh-huh. Flour and uh-huh. pie soda water. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, I think the, the calamari was done with like a cornmeal because it was a little bit more brittle uh-huh. and kind of had a baked look to it, even uh-huh. though it was fried. Yeah. So. Well, let's hold on. So let's, let's like go through this for everybody at home. So we got the king oyster mushroom calamari, which that was your favorite, right, Alex? Didn't you say that? Yeah, I really liked it. I liked the flavor and the texture the best. Yeah, that whole top tray, <clears throat> I think, was not only... I, I think it was the tastiest. I think the things down below, again, like we talked about the ceviche, and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think some of those things were more interesting, but maybe the things on top were the tastiest. So we had the king oyster mushroom calamari, which you loved, and I, I did too. Then we had the casino-style shiitake mushroom. So what, I don't, what does casino, casino-style mean? I don't even know. Okay. I even, which ones were those? Which ones are the yeah, lobster mushrooms? I'm not mushrooms? really sure. See, that's one of the things I might... I don't know. I don't know. Like, in the in the pile of 
Because it's not it's not the other. We have the tempura battered lobster mushrooms. We have the casino style shiitake mushrooms. The artichoke oyster mushroom Rockefeller. I think maybe it was the other artichoke. Oh, it must have been the other artichoke. It must have been inside oh, the, the yeah the red the 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 one with the red oh, tomato sauce. Style with like a had shiitake mushroom okay. underneath okay. that and All the right, cheese with that. on. They must have just yeah. I like the the Rockefeller artichoke. It looked like baked oyster, baked oysters. Yeah, wait, what is Rockefeller? I don't know. I don't know so what that you means. Put breadcrumbs and butter on top of oysters and bake them. Oh, Usually, really? er, like an herb butter or compound butter, oh. and then you like pour a bunch of breadcrumbs on top with some butter and put them in the, put them in a broiler, uh-huh. and they get all like crispy and brown on top, and yeah, they're super delicious. That, both of I those, I think. I mean, I know, like, I'm, I'm like psyched on the fried food, but those two things were actually, I think, my favorite thing out of all of it, simply because it was like really vegetable focused mm-hmm. and just delicious in its own way oh and super flavorful right like if we like I know, my, my mouth's watering right now thinking about <laughs> it like, yeah yeah huh? so yeah. i would have to agree with you on that those were definitely like the most like treat treaty mm-hmm. kind of thing i think on that platter because when you ate them you really especially the red one you're really just like it was thick but super flavorful, but not overpowering. And so many levels mm-hmm. to the flavor. There's like that intro and then there's the midsection and then like the follow through at the end too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Let's see. Okay. And then the, let's see, fresh Rambutan ceviche. What's Rambutan mean? Oh, see, I was going to say, it's coming on this earlier. See, I, I think it's pronounced Rambutan. There we go. Thank right. you. But oh, I was man. like, uh, Rambutan is like, that reminds me of like Rasputin. <laughs> You know, so I was like, that's such a cooler name. I think we should just start <laughs> calling it Rambutan. So Rambutan. Yeah, Rambutan. 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 Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think it's also lychee. It's just like the same thing. So tell, what does that mean though? Well, what do you mean? What does Ram, Rambutan mean? Oh, it's just the name of the fruit. Oh, okay. Oh, So the okay. fruit is, it's encased in this skin that has like these red hairs that come off about maybe half an inch. Uh-huh. So it looks very land before time it's kind like a, of. It sort of looks like a spore, fruit. but enlarged. Yeah. Okay. And oh, you, I've seen them. Yeah. They're like kind of. They're kind of like this big. Because uh-huh. you they're rip pota- the skin small off. potato-ish. Yeah, you rip the skin off, and there's like a nice, like translucent um, fruit inside that has a seed, uh-huh. and then you eat the outside. Huh. And you, I actually that so the rambutan was used as like the shrimp and the shrimp ceviche. Uh-huh. And the flavor profile I thought was very close to a traditional shrimp ceviche from uh-huh. Mexico, uh-huh. except for the rambutan added a bit of sweetness to it. And the Fresno chili was a little bit, was a bit more of a chili flavor and heat than like a jalapeno uh-huh. would have. Uh-huh. But um, but I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the rambutan um, as a shrimp substitute. Like as a, like I would like to add rambutan in my in my shrimp ceviche, huh. just for added texture. Mm-hmm. You know, just because the texture is so nice, it had that bite. It was a little chewy, and it took on the other flavors nicely. You know, where ceviches are really great because they like you can add things that like hum, like jamaica. I mean jicama, mm-hmm. and it, you know which tastes kind of like chalky water. Mm-hmm. A little sweet. I really like it. it's crunchy. But if you add it to like ceviche, it just takes on the flavor of the whole pot. Huh. So I had, yeah, I've never, I never had ceviche before I became vegan. Oh, really? So, so like, oh, ha- man, yeah. again, having that was like an entirely new experience mm-hmm. for me, I, which is kind of nice because it means I'm just eating it and I'm going like, do I like the food of this? Is it good? Yeah. <laughs> See, I think that ceviche, it would be nice to have like, 
like a tostada with it because it was sweet and acidic and everything was kind of wet. And it didn't have that counterbalance of like something dry and crunchy, which would be really nice. Sure. But I think, yeah, like that with uh, the Robertone ceviche like on a tostada with some hot sauce, it would taste so close to real ceviche hmm. or exactly like real ceviche, really, just without the meat. Let's see. I got to cough really bad. <laughs> cough away. <coughs> Sorry. No, you're okay. <coughs> let's, uh, let's go ahead and we'll take a short break and we will be right back. All right. This podcast is brought to you by Wheat. That's it. That's the whole thing. Wheat. Vegan Carne Alliance. All right, and welcome back, everybody. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about this thing. So it's sort of, I mean, you all thought it was a... A good meal. Do you think it is worth it? Would you want to have this again? Yes. I think it's worth it. I concur. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would well, have it again. Do you think it's worth the $95? I mean, it's it's a price of admission. People I, talk about like Disneyland, right? Mm-hmm. A ticket is $140. I don't know. It's something. It's something like $150 per person to go to Disneyland. It's, and it's always that question of like, is is that worth it? Is it worth it for you and your family? Are you going to have the memories with it? How do you feel about this? Would you, I mean, would you go back on your own and have this? Would you ever bring someone to show them this? What's sort of the, how do you think of this meal moving forward? What is it for you? Obviously, it's an incredible experience. For me, it's something, I mean, it's a highlight of the year. I think about this thing and I've, I, I, I get excited about this sort of thing simply because it's, I think it's fun. I mean, I think it's really fun. It's like the, yeah. the closest mm-hmm. thing I can get to a roller coaster sitting on a, at a dinner table. It's this <laughs> singular moment of just like, wow, all right, you guys went for it and you're really trying to do this crazy thing. Yeah. And you, I mean. Well, you know, you're, you're doing something that is in essence available, mm-hmm. but not to you mm-hmm. because it's, you know, they're doing the seafood tower mm-hmm. for vegans mm-hmm. Which makes it like one of a kind because mm-hmm. there, that seafood tower doesn't exist like anywhere else. Uh-huh. And so, you know, for, I think as far as like inspiration, recreation, you know, being artistic, it's, it's, you know, it's right up there at the top in the food world because like vegans want to be able to go eat fun, creative food. And, you know, they might have seen a seafood tower growing up and been like, that would be fun mm-hmm. to eat. Like, True. oh, that looks cool. Like, and having fried in tears and tears. The ceremony of it. I mean, yeah, a multi-tier. Can you mm-hmm. imagine if every plate in your life came out with two plates? So exciting. Yeah. And it's like, you know, who's to say, like, now I'm like, fuck, I'd like to see the calam- real calamari mixed in with the king of the mushrooms. That's and true. having the, the, because those things are really good uh-huh. on their own. True. And they're like, is it as good as those things? Sure, depending on your flavor, on your taste buds. Sure, you yeah. know, and it's like those blend burgers now that they're doing that are half pea protein, half beef. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like a nice step in the right direction. You know, with veganism, you're really seeing this like food getting taken to archetypes. Like fried calamari is mm-hmm. more of an archetype than we even know it is. Uh-huh. It's not just a dish. It's like little rings fried right. with a cocktail sauce and a tartar sauce, That's right? True. Yeah. So if you can yeah. turn freaking anything at, into something crunchy fried with tartar sauce and <laughs> cocktail sauce, it's basically like, oh, this is like your fried calamari. Uh-huh. 
So, you know, it's taking these things that are seemingly dishes and turning them into like a mother sauce, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that can branch into much greater, larger things that involve healthier, more nutritious food because squid is not that healthy and nutritious. (laughs) Is it not? (laughs) Oh, no, no, not. It's like one of the least nutritious things you can eat. It's actually a big problem because of the global catastrophes, like squids taking over and like sea lions and stuff are having to eat squid where they should be like mackerel that has fattier omega nines, you know, oils and they're experiencing lack of nutrients. Uh Yeah. It's good. It's not that healthy, but it's delicious and it's versatile (laughs) and it's everywhere. Apparently. So (laughs) something that happens every time I go to crossroads is that, and I know this isn't the case because I don't think they've been making this seafood tower since the inception of this restaurant, which I think, I think it's been open like eight or nine years now, Mm. um, is every time I eat a meal there, I like to pretend that Tal Ronan, the, the head chef of this place, he was, he was Oprah's personal chef at one point. And some part of my brain, every meal I eat, likes to pretend that he, oh, well, that's, yes, I take that. (laughs) That You're Oprah and he's cooking for you. (laughs) I like to pretend that every single meal started with Oprah, that Oprah was sitting there and she saw a seafood tower and she goes like, she's like, can, can you do that? And he just goes like, sure. You know what I mean? And he goes off into the kitchen, comes back eight hours later. Like some part of me wants to believe that like the seafood tower started with Oprah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he it's like he's with Oprah. She's going out with her friends. Right. She's like, Can you make that ribeye? Right. And he's like, uh, sure. Sure, I'll figure yeah, it out. I'll yeah, I'll do yeah, it. Yeah. Why not? Come back tomorrow. See you then. I'll have it ready. She probably went to in and out burger with him and she was like, Do this. Do this. And he's like, uh, it's impossible. Um Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Um, The other thing I was thinking about whenever I had this meal is there's nothing, I don't know, now that I am 31 years old, I, it's one of those things where like, I don't, I don't really love drinking that heavily often, Mm -hmm. but it's like, there's nothing better than going out with friends for like a celebration. You know what I mean? Having something to celebrate. And I was thinking like this meal, it makes me want to make sure that every fall, Whenever this meal sort of comes back around to Crossroads, I always want to make sure that I've like accomplished something so that way I could go there and be like, I've earned this and we're celebrating something and it's beautiful. I get to bring my friend Jesse, my girlfriend Alex, and we get to go and have this magnificent little meal and we're celebrating. And I feel like that's what this meal is, at least in my brain. It's like this sort of celebration. It's a, I mean, it's kind of, it, it's almost like we're celebrating the end of hot weather in Los Angeles, even though that's not the case. It is still very hot here, but it's yeah. one of those things where you're like, yeah. yeah, for some reason we like to every, every year we think that's like, oh yeah, it's September. That sounds cold. Mm-hmm. It's not, <laughs> not cold. October's not cold. Is not cold. <laughs> well, did you have any, all to have any last thoughts on the meal? Well, Anything we we, we got to talk, talk about, about the, the, the carrots, the carrot with oh, the, the locks. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, you're totally right. What so was it? Cashew crumb s- fresh smoked carrot locks with kelp caviar on top on the, in a bed of almond milk cream fresh almond milk cream fresh mm-hmm. yeah i thought those little snackaroonies were awesome they are delicious. you know like the carrot had a really nice texture mm-hmm. it you know it wasn't didn't have the texture of smoked salmon mm-hmm. but it definitely had when you eat it you're like oh that's just like uh what is it uh 
salmon lox. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it they really smoke is. they smoke these carrots mm-hmm. in the oven. It's really beautiful. I took a cooking class with Tall. And he, he had talked about sort of how they do that, but he, they, you know, they thinly cut these carrots and they put them in to a little container and they cover them and they put them in with liquid smoke and they, or wood chips, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. Um, yeah. And then they let chips. them, yeah, they spend some time with there and they bake them and then it comes out and it's just absorbed all that flavor and it's magnificent. You can mm-hmm. also go to Crossroads for brunch and they will do a, uh, cream cheese bagel with locks. That is a 10 out of that 10. That sounds great. Yeah. Capers. With Red capers. Onion. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Dill. Uh huh. Oh. oh <laughs> God. But you're right. Yeah. That I'm actually really glad you brought that up. That is another one of the things that is a highlight. It's just on a that really meal. nice hors d'oeuvre. It was palate cleansing. It was fresh. It had that that kelp on top that was just oceany, mm-hmm. and that really gave it that salmon feel. That kelp on top. That was just excellent. That's true. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Mm. I I like I like the whole ceremony of that. Of that meal, the multi tower thing, where yeah, just the, the entire the seafood tower in, in and of itself. I think, I think it's a great. I, I'm glad that we tried it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, I think it's fun, and I like that it's seasonal. It's not all the time. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, I will say it. It is like kind of like Disneyland. Mm-hmm. In that you're waiting for like, you know, an hour it's true. to two yeah. hours. When you come in, they literally go and like, then, all right, we're going to start prepping it now. And, and then you get it and yeah. it's gone within like, you know, under five minutes or That's something. True. That's true. Um, you do have to pace yourself. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's always good to do like that that sushi style. You know, everyone gets the same thing right. and they right. look and they eat it. You all look at each other. And like, get to it's talk. good. Yeah, well, that good. was part mm-hmm. of the fun of it too. Yeah. Is I feel like I we, love that. every time we took a thing, we'd all look at each other and sort of talk about that singular part of the meal. And that was wonderful. Yeah. I, it's great eating like that. And that allows you to do that because there's enough variety of each thing. And then mm-hmm. you really get to talk about the comparison between like the, you know what it's trying to mimic mm-hmm. and then also how it's new yeah what it's doing on its and own and yeah it's just totally wonderful hmm. i think there's something to making like a like play out of food you know mm-hmm. yeah. because suddenly it's interactive yeah, where it's you're fun. like kind of like <laughs> you have to rate like raise your neck and look at what you're because it's on a tower and it's like eye level so yeah. you're like what is this uh-huh. and it makes it more fun and engaging uh-huh. rather than just like chowing down on right. a burger or cutting something with a fork mm-hmm. and yeah. a knife. Um, I will admit that I, I, I think it's a good starting off point right now. Mm-hmm. I think I, I'm excited to see how it evolves. Like mm-hmm. I almost want it to evolve. Oh, absolutely. In a way, and like I, I want it to have yeah. more weird things. Well, they're like, like just as the way they've moved from Hearts of Palm to King Oyster Mushrooms. Exactly. I, I think every year they're going to keep like changing and... Like, yeah, yeah, because even like the like the mm. smoked lops and the kelp caviar, it's like I'm excited to see where that keeps going. You know, for right. sure. Like fish, where that's the thing that's sort of coming up in veganism. Impossible Foods has announced they're going to start I'm working very on excited fish for equivalents, and it's like when that happens, if they if Impossible makes an incredible salmon, which I would imagine they'll probably do like a white fish, a salmon. I'm trying to like, what do you think is the first? fish that impossible will try to recreate do you think they'll just try to do a fish fillet i immediately think they're going to use 
mushrooms and they're going to make a white fish. No, they won't. I don't think they'll use they'll mushrooms. They'll make a filet. You don't think they'll use mushrooms? I, I don't. They, you can almost make any texture with it though. It's well, possible, but impossible foods hasn't really done that. They're really oh, more really? of like, they're more blended. Oh, other right. Sort of things. Bl- uh, yeah. But I haven't tried the impossible burger yet, so that's coming I'm up. sure it's going to be amazing. You haven't tried the impossible burger? Mm-mm. Oh, wow. You're in for it. Oh, buddy. We're bringing you in. It's at uh, Monty's, right? <laughs> I was going to try it today. Shall I wait? You, wait for you guys? No, go for it. No. Try it there. No, go to try Monty's. It Place yeah, to get start. the double. Go a little crazy. Well, I, I wanted to touch back on the seafood tower for a sec. And that being is that <clears throat> I think that the seafood tower can that it's like this can evolve. Oh, yeah. There's 100%. always room for improvement. Exactly. Uh-huh. And become, you know, it could be. But I think right now what's what's happening at CrossFit that's just awesome is that they're doing like what, you know, when you look at that, you don't think like vegan you just think seafood tower Mm -hmm. and it looks like a seafood tower it is a seafood tower in a way and and yeah i think what like it's it's they they didn't like overdo it Mm -hmm. you know they didn't like try like oh we're gonna do seafood tower but it's the most amazing seafood tower they did it like standard and like replicated Uh and i think that's the point yeah is like you know it doesn't have to be like we don't have to overdo it because it can be just as good as the you know the meat one mm-hmm. seafood one agreed anybody else any last thoughts no i want to say <laughs> shout outs to tal ronan and chef scott jones and everybody working at crossroads who makes that little thing possible i am sure it is not an easy feat to put together eight separate dishes all together put them on a thing i don't know there's a lot going into that meal and i am i am grateful that it exists and i am grateful that i get to experience it and i hope everybody listening to this gets mm-hmm. to at some point have a seafood tower made all out of plants because that was crazy coming to your town directly <laughs> yeah right going yeah, on a world tour world nation worldwide <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well we're gonna take a break now we will talk to you soon all right this podcast is proudly brought to you by mouths use them to speak and eat regularly Vegan, vegan, carne, It's like instead of doing a seafood tower, <clears throat> you're talking about it's like it's like we're not doing a seafood tower. We're doing a mushroom tower, mm-hmm. you know. And it's not it's not like replicating meat food that had meat in it. We're not doing like you know your your meatballs, but with plant based foods. We're doing. You know, these plant balls. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> right. And even like like the like those, the mushrooms on top, the lobster mushrooms that were tempura fried. <laughs> like that would be so great at any like pub Exactly. Bar. So a easy fry too. in a basket yeah. with a sauce. Oh, it'd be amazing. You wipe them down, you chop them into pieces mm-hmm. and you literally fry them. Like you put it's them in delicious. the batter and then you fry them. And it doesn't have to say, it doesn't, and, and the thing is it doesn't need to say like, oh. A um, mimic of something else. It's literally yeah. just yeah, like we have tempura fried, fried mushrooms. Or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, it's just like tempura fried mushrooms. Right. Boom. That could go. I mean, they're meaty enough. You don't, when you're eating them, you're not like, oh, this is great but like it's not chicken or whatever you like you don't you don't feel that you, yeah. it's it's hearty you yeah know, like it's you're true. biting down on something and it's crunchy gonna, it's salty it's delicious right and yeah and, and then we're gonna get like things like i want to start seeing new names like you know pierogi like a freaking philly cheesesteak but vegan you mm-hmm. know like new names like this is a this is a boombla 
You know, if it's a bubla, <laughs> oh, it's like mushrooms packed with rice, wrapped in tempura or whatever, fried, delicious. It will be exciting to see how that evolves, I think, because I, I will admit one of the things that, like, I love the seafood tower. I love the experience. I'm definitely down to do it mm-hmm. again. I think it's great for a group of friends. Mm. Um, I would say that if you're going for like a, depending on the party, I think you may even need like two towers. I mean, I was going to say, if we had four <clears> people <throat> there, I would have left being like, ah, I want a little more. Exactly. I'm, we I'm were three sure and we did like a I good said, job on that thing. It's an so intensive I was a thing little, to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I would say is, but to be honest, if I, I mean, if I were being super selfish, I would love to just get like one tower for two people. <laughs> oh, for sure. You yeah. could, oh you could yeah. do I that that's what it's more. That's what it's more for. The reason why it's, it's so expensive is because it's like, it's rare and special right. and like they need to i'm sure those mushrooms aren't cheap and the I'm labor sure. that goes into it yeah. you know yeah i mean there's hyper seasonal they're coming down from oregon like all of that to mm-hmm. achieve all those those flavor profiles too because they're replicating things that are real <laughs> you know they're mm-hmm. like m- mimicking i'm sure it takes a lot of time and and uh, work but yeah I, I don't know a part of me d- does want more that's That's just terrible but i do i just want and i want it weirder it's a void that will never be filled well i would say i hope it gets weirder in the future though i hope we get like something like i don't know as deep fried uh, kelp or something just like weird life right now we're talking about like you want more in life this is is version (laughs) 1.3 no but i just mean i hope that's where veganism i think it it can go there oh yeah and we get away from just like you know well, what we're really talking about sub, is we need to do a, a restaurant that's, or someone does, we could, whatever, but is, is a restaurant that's that's veganism, but on the level of these other fine dining restaurants that's doing really interesting food, that's, that's doing food that's not like, oh, this is a vegan restaurant, oh, it's subpar, mm-hmm. that's like, this is like new it's awesome it's innovative it's flavorful as fuck you know and you seemingly you're not missing anything because you're not right you know i do have to say that i think that's what i think dirt candy achieved that when we went there sure and just bringing things that were just strange and and delicious it was an experience and i think made you think what is food Exactly. Yeah. And I think I'm 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 gonna call out superiority burger well, again because level. I think I think they are really at the the tipping point of where yeah. vegan vegan food or plant based eating can go. Have you do you follow Superiority Burger on Instagram? Mm-mm. So I've I've posted them through the Vegan Carne Alliance account and you should definitely just Follow them to see they post their daily specials and every day they're changing it and it's always made with vegetables and it Every day it makes me upset that I don't live in New York City. You would City. really enjoy it. Yeah, you would especially As a like chef, it. they're just, mm. creating, just creating. They're yeah. just creating every day. Speaking of being mm. on the outskirts, last night I looked up. So obviously the famous uh, Vespertine in Los Angeles, one of the few restaurants to receive two Michelin stars here. I looked it up and they do a vegan menu. You can request a you know vegan whatever it's probably 12 course i have no idea an entire vegan menu it's a yeah but i think it's what 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 was the case 295 or was it like 350 i need to look up the cost it's oh 200 i think it's 250 a person or something yeah it's it's Mm. a it's a pretty penny yeah but like yeah that place is i'd expect it from that place oh yeah no everything there is i have a someone i cook for um and he's gone to vespertine i think twice and he says he says he likes it, very enjoyable. He says it's 
like very expensive. Mm-hmm. I think because he also got the full bar too, which is another another thing. Pull that towards you. Yeah. There okay. You yeah. Yeah. So now it's with you. But he he also said that he's like price to what you get. He's like it's experience. It's amazing. He's like I would do it again. He's like but it's <laughs> it's definitely like I might have like. I think it's a you super know, special su- occasion. Yeah, I mean, that's a ton of money. Equ- I was exactly, going to say, like, yeah. that's, you're literally like, okay, we're going to celebrate me. Because that's just the, that's just the food, right? It's like transplant. 250 for the foods and the drinks are probably. Probably separate. Another 200. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. All right. So, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of money. But <laughs> I do want to check out. Is, I know, I know. I mean, it's definitely it's like a be... bucket list for me. Like, I'm super excited to do it one day, and I hope I get is the opportunity. Else like that in LA, that's supposed to be the, well, that. The closest kind of... thing that I think is that I knew to that was Jose Andreas's Bazaar, which oh, is okay. Mid City, and yeah, mm-hmm. he that's molecular gastronomy, and which is what Vespertina is. It's sort okay. of people playing with food in weird ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there are probably other places that do molecular gastronomy in the city, but those are the two that I knew simply because Vespertine is sort of famous for being the most rambunctious, interesting, odd restaurant in Los Angeles, as far as I knew. And mm-hmm. then um, Jose Andreas's Bazaar, um, I had heard about because some friends liked it and I saw a 60 minute special and yeah, he he was on there talking about, he they serve meat, but he was talking about, it was this was before veganism was even popping and Jose Andreas was on TV talking about how he said fruit and vegetables, he was especially talking about fruit though, he said, are the most interesting thing on earth because when you eat a strawberry, if you eat meat, he said the first few bites of meat are good, but like as you're finishing that, it's not usually great. You're, you're chewing and you're swallowing. But he said, if you eat a strawberry and you're chewing that strawberry, that strawberry is fantastic the whole way through that bite. Mm-hmm. From the first start to the like end when you swallow, it gives you more and more flavor the whole way through. Oh, and also fruit as you like you swallow it when you exhale, you really get the flavor of it because it goes to the nose true. and that's where all the flavor. Yeah, yeah, that is very and, true. And that's statement. what he was talking I like about. That a lot. And that mm-hmm. when he said that, I I mean, I had never been to the bazaar and I've I've eaten there once now and it was OK. That's you why know? I love eating fruits and meats together. Well, that's interesting. But that was something where he, he said that on, you know, he said that on 60 Minutes, but it, when I got to the restaurant, it wasn't that crazy or fruit focused or. Yeah, that sounds like a passionate thing that someone could just be like, get into and they're singing in the moment really passionately. It's like, true. yeah, I can see that. And sure. then also it's like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I find that incredibly interesting. Because I never like overeat fruit, but I overeat meat all the time. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's easy. Yeah, wait, what, what do you find oh, interesting? Oh, I just find that, that incredibly interesting that we we as like a society, it seems, like have it kind of backwards. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where I just think like veganism is so, and like just eating plants and fruits and vegetables and like grains and stuff is so um, kind of niche still. It is. Especially I mean, well, in like in fine dining. Especially yeah. in fine dining. It's like this niche area that just happens to be really trending right now. It's true. And hopefully it will grow. Mm-hmm. But... It's interesting that it's so it's so like sp- special <laughs> mm-hmm. when it's so much easier mm-hmm. and um, more sustainable to produce. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing really complicated about like even beans and rice mm-hmm. or apples and like lettuce and stuff. Whereas like meat, you have to like raise a cow and <laughs> slaughter it and skin it and blah blah blah. Well, what's gonna fertilize the the the, 
the gardens. <laughs> That's if a you good don't point. have the cows. <laughs> we all make plenty of poop, I promise. <laughs> That's a good point. Doesn't just... human poop work the same way? No. no. <laughs> you can't use human poop. Well, because we eat you meat. You can, but it needs to be with all the other chemicals and stuff. Like cows, they're eating grass. Right. Not most of them. Well, they they're supposed be. to be eating yeah, grass. In theory, they're eating grass. Most cows are not eating grass. Eating Most like of them are eating soybeans or stuff, corn right? or corn. Yeah, corn. it's fine. That's that great. I don't know. I don't like. I don't think it's it's that veganism is something that's a new concept, or that like restaurants haven't been doing it, or the world hasn't been doing it. I think what's new is the idea of veganism being a like a movement amongst people, and it being so focused. Like the movement, the idea of veganism being like a thing is more new than people just like eating vegetables and eating, eating vegan. It's very true. You know, cause like you go to other countries, like, you know, their produce and also it's a very out like LA, New York, American thing because you know, we, people eat fast food and we're Americans and we don't have that much culture and, and people don't cook. And we, you know, like having a family that ate at the dinner table is pretty rare, you know? Mm. And I think what we're really getting down to is like, it's like opening up the modern world to like having higher quality food, vegetables, readily available, like fast foods available to us. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what it's all about because that's going to, that's just going to make everyone more healthy and able to think better. Hmm. (laughs) Once that happens, once people can think better Hmm. and can like walk a mile then we can start making changes, but until then, you know, I think that's what veganism is really all about. It's like upping the game, upping our food quality. I was just going to say, I think it's I mean, ending meat. I think it's just, no, it's no, just no. a new way I to mean, think about new food. No, I, yeah. I, I think, I don't mean to say like people shouldn't eat meat. I actually think the complete opposite. I think mm-hmm. meat, like having a piece of chicken or fish or steak is actually something quite special. Right. You know what I mean? It should be treated as it something special. It should be special, treated special, right. Within I agree, your diet, 100%. like it's like that's, I, I think that's hopefully where we go because we just like consume meat like all the time and we kind of forget where it even came from. And I think it'd be, it'd be nice if people. How many times have you gone somewhere and it's like, oh, that burger, 15 bucks? Like, <laughs> that's crazy. And it's like, no, it's crazy that you are so used to burgers that are like $8 because, you know, what you're getting is is subpar, really. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's why you don't pay. And that's, yeah, it, I, mean, I 100% think meat needs to be treated. Animals need to treat it, be treated with respect, you know? I just think it's really, it should, it would be interesting if it were treated as something special within the diet. Like, yeah, eat like plants and plants and fruits it's and a vegetables. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way it exactly. Used to right. well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. in, in parts of the world today, it is like it's if you. Well, it's required to be. It's so expensive. Exactly, in parts of it the is world really. That they can't yeah. have it all the like time. there are. I right. forget which culture it is. We were just well, Korean it, culture. They eat cow, but it's expensive, right? And Don't they like make that. like a stew? I don't know if it's Korea, but there's a, there's a part of the world where they make like a beef stew where it it literally lasts like the entire like a, f- a couple weeks or something 
Oh, they leave it cooking on the stove. The yeah, whole time. and yeah. it's it's Crazy. only it's only served for celebrations, mm-hmm. yeah. like if a marriage or this something. Was, yeah, David Chang was talking about this it on was, his podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. oxtail. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. He yeah. said this is like a celebration. He goes, "This is not the one that you get." For your birthday, he was talking about how it's the one that you get whenever you like come home from college. When you graduate or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I oh, love the that. Seafood, I mean, the, the seaweed soup? No. Was he well, a, no, no, it's no, actually like the seaweed. Beef. The seaweed one is for That's birthdays. For birthdays yeah. And he said they hate it and nobody ever, huh. he never wanted to eat it. And the guest he had on didn't either. But they were talking about how, but when your yeah. mom made the other stew, it was like the greatest something experience special. of your life. Right? And I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think mm. that's really important. And I, I, I think that's something that we don't have here, at least in, in the States, you know, because yeah. you could just eat a burger every day because it's, it's everywhere. Well, it, so, so that's what I mean yeah. when I say I think it's kind of backwards. I, I, it's, it's interesting how meat is just readily available everywhere to the point where we don't even appreciate it. And yet plants, like eating plants is like somehow exotic right now like it's a little niche area yeah. i think that's I mean, funny because it should be the opposite it's crazy that if you go to mcdonald's it costs more money to buy a salad than it does to buy a burger right like it right. should be it should be the opposite is what i mean i mean it's, sure. well, it's all government subsidies that's unfortunately that's, uh, yeah. like so meat eaters are gonna hate because they're gonna be like right i love my burgers i don't want to pay more for them but yeah, true. <laughs> technically well i mean if, well, I, if I was eating, if i was eating regular it. burgers <laughs> and they, you know, the government subsidies made my regular burgers cheaper. I'd be psyched about that too. I yeah. am, I am looking forward to the cool. day where the impossible is subsidized because yeah. baby, I am going to live on that. You would not totally. believe how many I can put in my face in a singular day. Well, you know, I'm doing my construction days, you know, we get off, we, we get off for lunch, you know, we go to like Carl's Jr. or something. Uh-huh. You're not going to get a salad because you'll be starving no, well, and you won't say, be able to work. Yeah, totally. No, no, I feel you. Yeah, you get that burger. It's true. And it's like if that, you know, people will go eat good food. But if it breaks the bank account, you will be like, you will sacrifice your quality, you know? Yeah. So it's bringing, it's bringing that quality, you know, raising it up a little raising the money up like what you're willing to spend okay if you're paying like like was they have dollar burgers at burger king or whatever <laughs> or okay. mcdonald's or mcdonald's right so if you can still get a good quality burger and it's like under 20 bucks people generally i think 20 bucks is about their cap for a lunch on a normal work day yeah i mean i feel like for a lot of workers i feel like they try to stay i mean maybe it's different in los angeles but i feel like 10 to 15 is sort of like we show you under 20 yeah yeah yeah. i was gonna say but people i know in missouri i think like you see a lot of 10 dollar lunch specials totally um, oh and i've yeah i've been finding that it's like i'm like i could get a protein shake for like five bucks mm-hmm. all plant-based mm-hmm. it's like 600 calories <laughs> 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 that's what i've been doing that works gotta keep it going all right everybody well Thank you. We're going to go ahead and take another break Uh, and uh, we'll be back with you shortly. All right. Vegan. Vegan. Carne Alliance. All right. I want to thank uh, everybody for tuning in to episode number two of Vegan Carne Alliance, especially Jesse Mullenix. You can find him on Instagram at J-E-S-S-E-M-U-L-L-I. I-N-E-X, E-N-I-X, there we go, and uh, 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 Alex Earrett for being part of the end of our conversation. Uh, You can find her online at 
Alex, A-L-E-X-I-R-I-T. And uh, lastly, you can find me at uh, Vegan Carne Alliance, uh, vegancarnealliance.com, all that good stuff. Thank you very much for being part of this. Uh, We look forward to seeing or talking or hearing from you soon. Okay, goodbye. Vegan Carne Alliance.